This is Life of an Architect, a podcast dedicated to all things architecture, with a little bit of life thrown in for balance. Today, we are discussing an architect's salary, and even I am a little concerned about what I might learn in today's episode. Thanks for joining us today. I'm Bob Borson. And I'm Landon Williams. And today we're going to pull the curtains back and tell everyone how much money we make for a living. <laughs> I, did, I, didn't, I didn't tell you that. <laughs> That's the joke. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Landon, tell everybody how much money do you make? Uh, more than a nickel. Ooh, smart. <laughs> so we're sitting in the front room of my house, recording today's episode. Mm-hmm. It's raining outside. Set in, set in the mood for this. Set in the mood, making it romantic as we talk about. Money, yeah, money. <laughs> the ro- most money and love. The most romantic topics of all. I mean, I love money. Everybody does, and we should actually. I'm glad you said that because we should get this set up front. So everyone who's coming here mm-hmm. wants to learn how much money, you know, an architect makes. Let me start off right out of the gate by saying there's so many moving parts to this question: mm-hmm. where you live, how much experience you have, the type of work you work in, the size firm yep. you work in. Yep. The amount of revenue and billables that the firm had. So what we're not going to talk about is the idea that we all want to make more money. That's a universal standard, I think. Yeah. Whatever you make, I'm sure you'd like to make more. Mm-hmm. That is not unique to architecture. Yeah. But I think our, this topic is important because sometimes people don't think about all the variables that go into it. Not only places like where you, like you're saying, where you work or where you're living. Here's something else. And I've already told you this, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put it out there for everyone else. Mm-hmm. I have been uneasy about broaching this subject since we decided to make it today's episode topic. And the reason is my position within the hierarchy of an architectural office has changed. Mm-hmm. I've written about this subject twice before on my website. And I want to say it was so long ago, not that you were supposed to say like, we got paid in feathers <laughs> and shiny feathers. pebbles. <laughs> and I loved it. It was so long ago that I was just a guy in the next cubicle over. I mean, I so you were in a different position last time. You that's right. I mean, I wasn't really, subject. but I wasn't, I didn't have my name on the door. Mm-hmm. I did not have access to all the financial information that went into running a firm, what it took to keep the doors open, what the impacts of all the decisions you make as far as amenities, bonuses, uh, mm-hmm. you know, paying for AI membership, all those things. I, I, yeah. I wasn't privy to all those decisions and the ramifications that they made. You only knew really your salary. Yeah. And the and the the premise was everybody wants to make more money. Even when I was in the job, I wanted to make more money, mm-hmm. right? It's a universal standard. Yep. So the thing that's been giving me a little bit of pause about making it today's topic is I don't want to come across as defensive. I don't want to defend the man. Bob, pay me more money. No. <laughs> the idea is that, especially, you know, this, like us, you have that, you are part of that role of whatever I'm getting paid. Yeah. So. Which makes this kind of, kind of like, an interesting conversation too. Yeah. <laughs> Because at the end of it, you can say, all right, I just learned so, a lot. Sounds like I have a lot of skills. That sounds like I should get paid more, more money. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's no. part of it. But I will tell you that most of the research that I did mm-hmm. was not using you <laughs> as a model. Because I, I did actually thought about it. I go, wow, at the end of this podcast, Landon's going to say, hey, <laughs> since I got you here. I think we're pretty right on the net. I think our firm is it's not, you know, the lower end of things. Like from the research I looked at and what you looked at. Yeah. I feel okay. Yeah. I feel okay. And and the, the other moving part too is our firm offer a lot of benefits and bennies. Mm-hmm. You know, I guess it's not benefits and bennies. <laughs> that makes it sound like- I don't think I've ever heard the term bennies before. I think it sounds like a drug. 
Bennies? Yeah, like uh, I was thinking sprinkles. Reds and poppers and Bennies. And Bennies. And some Jimmies and some, some Jimmies. We don't offer Bennies, I guess. <laughs> Every Friday we hand out Bennies. Yeah, don't no, take Keep you we can good for the weekend. Yeah, don't do that. <laughs> but we, we make a lot of decisions. And actually, I feel pretty good after the research about what we're mm-hmm. doing as a firm because it, it tells me, I mean, we don't we don't typically have access to the information that I was able to acquire over the last week and a half of doing research. Mm-hmm. We'll get into it a little bit later, but the AIA does a compensation survey. I think it's every couple of years and I made some calls and I talked to some people and they had a copy and I sat down and we talked about it and I looked at what the information said and it kind of tells me that what we're doing is right on. Mm-hmm. And the reason why I think that that's kind of important or at least that I feel a little bit better about it is we're paying people what we think we can. You yeah. know, yeah. it's the idea that I've worked for places where they pay you what they think they can get away with. Yeah, right? which is an entirely different attitude than that's right. what you th- what you imagine that management should envision. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't want people to leave. I love the people in our office mm-hmm. most days, right? <laughs> and I don't want them to leave. And I certainly don't want some, I'm okay. I mean, I guess I'd be okay if somebody said, hey, I want to do a different type of work or I want to have exposure to a different type of management style. Yeah. But you want to do everything in your power to keep the people that you find valuable. That's valuable right. And so therefore you reward that value. That's right. And I don't want someone telling me I'm leaving because I can get paid more somewhere else. Yeah. And you really don't. I mean, I think at least with our firm, we don't want that kind of person that is just there for the number that they get every yeah. month. Well, I will tell you, just based on all the comments that I've gotten while writing these posts on salaries in the past, yeah, there are people out there and, and I have no problem with this. It's not my mentality. It's not where I'm coming from. But mm-hmm. I have certain, I don't know how to say it without sounding like a complete tool. I think it's... I think it's like your your values as a person. Like there are people obviously that their values align more with they need they want that salary amount to I mean they're that's sort of their own goal. They're thinking I, than, they're thinking I need a living wage. Yeah. Well, I mean that it is it's understandable to an extent, but at a certain point it's sort of when do you start compromising other things that you can't really necessarily attach a number value to. That's your right. values aren't sure. aren't quantified in a number. Yeah, you're not getting your satisfaction or joy in life is not a result of how much you make. It's okay. a part of it, mm-hmm. but it's not defined by that. Yeah. And I actually did write an article once and it was called Golden Handcuffs. And I told, and I'll tell the story now. In my early career, in like the first 10, 12 years I was out of school, mm-hmm. I probably had eight or nine jobs. I had a wow. lot of jobs. Is and that because of? I never got fired. Okay. <laughs> that's, that's what my next question was going to be. I didn't get fired and okay. I, I didn't get, I got bored is a big part of what oh, it really? was. I went someplace and and it was a big firm. They had about 800 employees scattered across many offices mm-hmm. in many different cities. Yep. And I had what most people would consider to be dream job. I mean, I was one of the designers for a pretty large firm. Mm, pretty early out of school. Uh, it would have been one, two, three, five. It was either five or six years out of school, I think. Okay. Right. And so- I went and took this job and there was a period of time when I wanted to learn how to be a better architect, right? Most of the mm-hmm. work I'd done had been, you know, I have good communication skills, which I did not recognize as being a good thing when I was younger. Yeah. I wanted to, I had this idea of what it meant to be an architect and I was like, I need to take the exam and I need to learn how to keep water out of a building mm-hmm. and the types of work that I was doing, they would pull me out of that technical side and put me in front of the client or they'd have me design yeah. something up and I thought, I'm not getting closer I don't know what I need to know to be an architect. So I would leave. And I'm pretty sure that all the places I was at when I left, they would have taken me back, right? So that kind of sets the stage for how I was perceived in these different offices. Mm -hmm. But there was this period of time when 
it seemed like the demographic that I was at was like the person. Everybody needed that experience. Like the three to five years is always a really kind of, everyone seems to need that three to five year person for a long time. Oh yeah. Okay. So you did a hot market. Yeah. So I was just at the exact right experience level for about eight or nine years. And like every time I went someplace, they're like, that's the skill set that we need. Mm-hmm. And so when I wrote this post about golden handcuffs, it had to do when I left one firm. And I mean, I'll tell you, I was making $28,000 a year. Right. Ooh, and this was in 1910? This was in 1422. <laughs> ah, nice. It would have been better if I'd said the Medici. The Medici family were- uh, <laughs> That's right. Well, they were my pay- <laughs> patrons. No, this was, this was in the late 90s. Late 90s. Okay. And so I was making like $28,000. Mm-hmm. And I got mad. I mean, this is a place where I had a dream job. All I did was design all day long. But I thought, it's not making me a better architect. I don't have to ever worry about detailing it. I don't have to worry about how does water stay out. I, I didn't know how things got done. And I wasn't yeah. licensed. And I was in, I was heading towards my late 20s. And I felt that I hadn't accomplished that goal that every person who went to architecture school needs to feel. And that is get licensed. Mm-hmm. Right? That's our finish line. That's yeah. my personal opinion. I know there's other opinions out there that don't feel that way. But for me, I go, I'm not done until I get that license. I went through this period of time when I would change jobs because I felt it wasn't giving me the skill set that I needed to be able to take that test with confidence. Okay. Right? Yeah. But what was happening is when I leave that job at 28000 I got to raise the $35,000. That's a pretty big percentage jump. Yeah. And then I went and worked at that place for a while and go, well, I'm not getting, I'm not getting that skill set that I really wanted. So I left and then I got another couple grand bump. So in the spirit of about, I don't know, I probably increased my salary by 50% over a three-year window. You know, and this is after I'd been working for about six years. Yeah. And it, it kind of paints the picture. Hey, if you change jobs, you'll get pay raise, right? Like that's how you artificially raise your salary. Yeah. They'll try to incentivize you to switch jobs. Yeah. But the thing that was, that always kind of what I, my baggage I've carried with me ever since then is I knew people that did that same kind of thing. They left job A, went to job B, went to job C, mm-hmm. came back to job A and they were making like, 30% more than they were when they left just like two or three years earlier. Wow. Meanwhile, their buddy who was loyal and never left has only gotten like cost of living raises over those three years. And he's making yeah. a couple thousand yeah. dollars more than he was when that guy left. But now his buddy's like way in front of him now. Wow. And they're, they're essentially, they got the same skill set. The same skill set. So, he so would, it's almost like you're artificially inflating your own salary. Yeah. And the guy that was loyal to the company, he gets he gets a bad deal. Little pebbles. Yeah, so that's always kind of hmm. sat in the back of my mind that loyalty is important, people who stick around. But it also suggests that when you take a job, you have to find the balance of what's right for you. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Okay, because we we've already put the premise out there that everybody wants to make more money. Mm-hmm. But at some point, in my mind, the golden handcuffs are, when I did that and I got all those pay raises, had a job that I hated and I quit it after four months. Even though I'd made this huge pay raise, because I went, well, I don't want to get used to making. And my pay, I was making thirty six at this point. <laughs> it wasn't. Ooh. It wasn't like I'd won the lottery. Yeah. Okay. But I didn't want to get used to that being my salary, and have to work a job that I hated. So okay. after four months, I went. I looked around and I qu- I, I quit in the most spectacular fashion ever. <laughs> I'm, I'm out of here. Flip the table. No, no, no. it was. <sighs> It was a, and this would be a rabbit hole, so I won't tell the whole story, but the, the, the partner's offices were open, even though there was a wall between them and everybody else. Mm -hmm. If, if you had elevated audible conversations on that side of the wall, the other could hear it. Uh, Okay. And so I was doing nothing and I was like, you know, I got yelled at because I was working and not, and I mean, because I wasn't, 
I wasn't reading a book. Okay. Okay, I got to tell more of the story. <laughs> I was like, all right. So one of the partners came and says, I want you to spend 40 hours developing a concept for this, kind of one of those medical boxes, but it was for a dental practice. Yeah. Right, where okay. individual dentists could rent like a space within a practice, kind of like hairdressers do. Mm-hmm. This is a concept thing. Yes. Because I'm going out of town. This is a deal I'm working on. Spend 40 hours on it. So I spent the 40 hours on it, right? Killed it. It's amazing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> she came back into town and uh, and, uh, and then left, immediately left again. Like she came in, grabbed a bag, and she was gone again. Okay. And I, I didn't have anything to do. So I went to the second partner and I go, I don't have anything to do. You got anything? Well, the way that firm was set up is the partners got paid based on the profitability of their projects. So, and that was based by partner per project. So what that meant is okay. they didn't want you working on their project if they didn't need you because you drained the profitability of that project. Mm, okay. Right? So since the one partner had given me work to do and I'd finished it, she said, spend 40 hours. I spent 40 hours on it. I went to the next partner. He goes, I got nothing. No, I don't need anything. I don't need to do anything. I want you to sit there and read a book. Well, I went, I went, I went to the third partner. Oh, okay. Asked the same question. He's like, nope, don't have anything. So I went and sat at my desk for like a day. And I was like, this is stupid. I mean, I didn't come here to just sit around. Yeah. So I went back to that dental project that I was, they said, said, spend 40 hours on it. And I spent more time on it because I wanted to, I needed something to do. Yeah. Right. This was a big deal to me. And so she gets back into town. I present it. She's like, this is great. Uh, how much time did you spend on it? And I went, well, I spent about eight days on it. And she like lost her mind. She goes, I told you 40 hours. And I said, nobody gave me any of the work to do. I went, I asked, I said, can I help? Nobody would let me work on their projects. So I said, what did you want me to do? Sit at my desk and read a book? She goes, yes, <laughs> sit at your desk and read a book. That sounds absurd. Yeah. So I'm standing there. I'm, everyone can hear her screaming at me, right? And I was late 20s at this mm-hmm. point. And I didn't deal with authority well. <laughs> and so I looked at her and I said, I quit. I'm done. I'm out of here. Uh-huh. Right. I'm not doing this. And she looked at me and she was the partner who recruited me to come to this firm. Yeah. With this look of just stunned. Like, oh my God, you've only been here four months. You haven't given it much time. Wow. And I went, what is there for me to do? Yeah, no, I, I, look at, I look at how this office is run. I don't want your job. And you're like at the, you're at the top. Right. So I left and I took a pay cut to go back to a place where I thought I'm actually going to learn how to be an architect here. Okay. Right. Yeah. That was the point of that whole amazing story. <laughs> <laughs> but no, it ties into kind of, um, I mean, sometimes it's dependent on even the management or how they kind of structure management. You know, you can be at the whims of that as an employee to some extent. Yeah. So it's kind of, you have to figure either, you know, someone who's in the firm and you kind of figure it out that way, or you have to just kind of dive in and figure out if that's the place for you. Right. I mean, they, they yeah. clearly were about the bottom line dollar in their pocket and yeah. my my growth, my involvement, my ownership of what the work I was creating was not part of their thought process. Yeah, exactly. And I go, yeah. since I knew that that's how it was, I'm like, I'm getting out of here. Mm-hmm. So that's an important consideration. Yeah. Right. So it's not just about the check you get. It's about what kind of, I, I, it sounds corny to say feed your soul, but you have to find a balance between how much you get paid. I mean, I want everyone to be, have a living wage, mm-hmm. but they need to be able to find some kind of happiness beyond the paycheck because guess what? The paycheck will never bring you happiness. We're genetically yeah. programmed to not exist at these high highs. If I said, hey, Landon, I'm going to give you a raise to a million dollars a year. 
you'd be out of your mind for a while, right? For a while. Yeah. And then you'd start to, like your lifestyle would reach a million dollar a year salary. And it would just be, that's what it is. I'd be overtaken by it. I'd become a different person. <laughs> you would not be the land that we've all grown to yeah. love. But yeah, no, I mean, it brings up the point about you personally were considering your development. You were thinking about, you know, you're still on that track trying to become an architect. Like you're thinking about long term, you know, this isn't the job that's going to provide the future that I want, which is someone who's investing in my development as a an individual within the firm or right. within a bigger company. Right. It, it mattered to me. Exactly. Yeah. But I had the ability to be picky in that way. That's the, true. The, yeah. the economy was good enough to where I knew if I walked out that door, I would get a job Yeah, almost immediately, if not that day. I mean, I was also at the point where my network had gotten kind of big and I could just call somebody and say, hey, I just quit my job. Mm -hmm. And they'd say, yeah, we'd love to have you over here. Yeah. I knew that that was in play. And that's not always the case. So There's a closer safety net. That's right. And for the most part, my entire career, I've had that luxury. Mm -hmm. So I feel like I kind of have to put that out there because I, I, I know that there are going to be people listening who have walked a different path than what I've walked on oh, yeah. yep. and are therefore more likely to dismiss my experience as being completely different from what their experience is. Mm -hmm. Right. So at some point we'll just talk about the numbers and what it means and, and which is actually a good segue because one of the things I, in my notes that I wrote down was, okay, when you say I want to make more money, what's that based on? Right. How do you determine your worth? And is that any different than what your value is? And okay. I think the difference between worth and value is worth is you. That's individual. You determine your worth. I can't determine your worth. Okay. As your employer, yeah. I can determine your value. Right. And Quantify I think yeah. that's right. Okay. Cause I can actually say, this is how old you are. This is the experience you have. This is, are you licensed? Are you unlicensed? How much can I charge for your time? How effective are you? How much of your one hour is actually a constructive one hour or how much of it is learning, you know, the tasks that we've set before you. Mm -hmm. Right. Yep. So worth is you like, oh, I'm a good guy and I fit into the office well and I show up for work and I don't take sick days when I'm not actually sick and blah, 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 blah. I get involved in the community. I'm mm -hmm. a good representative of the firm. And these are the things that are just coming off the top of my head. Yeah. Right. Which everyone should kind of consider, you know, are you a decent human being? What you do for a living doesn't figure into what you're worth. Right. From a, yeah. from a, a okay. self-realization standpoint. All right. So you got to get rid of that. Because we're not talking about what you're worth. We're talking about what's your value. What's your value within you know a company structure? That's right. Because when you want to go ask for a raise or you think I'm not compensated fairly, we're not talking your worth, right? The conversation about whether or not you're yeah. a good guy is not part of that conversation. Mm -hmm. It's your value. And I don't want to distill it down into the value means like how many billable hours do you have? Because all those other things I did mention do figure into it. I want you to be a good representative of the firm. I do want you to be involved in the community. You know, I want all these things. They measure into you as a person, right? But I can't track that. I can't put a, I can't put a dollar value into if you're on the home tour committee or if you're chairing the home tour committee, Ooh, right? <laughs> and you're getting something out of that. That's going to be baggage that goes with you wherever you leave. Like if you do decide to leave, you can say, Hey, I was the chair of these committees. That's portable, right? That's going to go with you. Mm -hmm. So, so we're talking about. How do you determine what your value is? So since you're of that age, how would you decide what your value is? I mean, I think it comes down to, you know, pulling. I mean, this is one of the things I went through when I was getting out of school is trying to, I don't think I really had any 
you know, value, like a quantitative amount coming out of school. What have my friends made? Or no people that are a year ahead of me, like what are they making? And I would just scour the internet to figure out, you know, all these different resources, try to figure out what someone in my position coming from the school that I came from without, you know, very little experience. Did you find that information? Yeah. So I had, I mean, I came up with a range, but that's essentially all. <laughs> those are all the resources I tried to pull together to figure out right. a value. And, um, it, and it's hard right when you're out of school because you're like, I can ask what my friends are making. Yeah. But yeah, yeah. I mean, you went to a school far from where you were born and you work in a town that is neither of those two things. Yeah. So <laughs> your pool of resources to say, hey, Bill. How how much are you getting paid, even though, in fact, you work in healthcare and I'm looking mm-hmm. at this type of firm and you're in Dakota? Yeah, all Dakota. I had really was like my friends that moved to Seattle, you know, what are they getting paid? Which is obviously going to be totally different from what I'm getting paid in Dallas right. or will be paid. Uh, and people that moved to Chicago and I had friends who moved, went to some smaller firms in Virginia. So it's it's, it's hard to quantify even like given those resources. But the one big thing I think, I didn't consider, um, and after we were talking about, you know, you have to also factor in the benefits of the company, the things that aren't necessarily quantified. So your salary is a quantity that you know for sure, but then they, you know, will tack on obviously like company paid healthcare or right. things like that that I didn't, I didn't assign, like I didn't have a number in my head. It's just kind of, okay, I have benefits or something like that. It wasn't. Something yeah, that was, I consider. It was binary. It wasn't siloed into yeah. healthcare and vacation time yeah. and compensation for a volunteer and you know mm-hmm. all these different kind of areas. You're like, uh, it either is a yes or no. Do they have benefits? Yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they have no. But those all have associated values with them. They have actual quantifiable value in the company. Oh yeah, absolutely. Which are things that I don't or I didn't necessarily think about right out of school. Yeah. Or still I, only slightly considered now. I, d- I can tell you, I didn't think of that stuff either. Mm-hmm. So I have, I have so much paperwork in front of me. <laughs> you know, normally I- Mounds of paperwork. Well, you know, normally I, pre- I prepare for these things. Hopefully, I mean, I kind of- I scribble in the little notebook right here. Yeah. A little. <laughs> and I have like 15 pages of notes in front of me. Yeah. But what, a big punk chunk of those notes. Here they are right here. Ooh, I can hear how big they are. Wrestling, they <laughs> sound big. They are. they are big. I have the AIA compensation survey in front of me. Very pertinent. So at some point, we're actually going to talk some numbers here, right? Other than these kind of ethereal, what it's worth and what your value is and how do you determine. Yeah, yeah. But I will say that when I was younger and I was changing jobs, I kind of will admit that I didn't really ask too many people, like, what do you make? Like, what Mm. should I get paid? I kind of looked at it and said, yeah, I want to make this. Like through no, there was no logic or math behind it. Just going in blind. Yeah. So yeah. If, uh, let's say I was making $30,000 and I'm going to change jobs. Well, I want $36,000. Sounds pretty like, good to me. Sounds pretty good to me. I can get that 80 inch TV I've always been looking for. I don't think 80 inch TVs existed <laughs> back when I was doing that. But when we circle back around to how do you determine your value, right? Okay. So you can ask around, right? You can talk to other people that kind mm-hmm. of do what you do. Right, assuming that you're not out of state and this is your first job ever and you're moving yeah. to a new location. Yeah. But you can ask around. There's also there's a bunch of resources on the internet which all should be taken with a little grain of salt. Okay. Right? Yeah. So one of them is designintelligence.com. 
does a, a huge salary compensation report. Mm-hmm. I think they might even do it yearly. Okay. Problem is, it's seven hundred and like ninety five dollars. Well, so that's really meant for large firms to oh, use yeah, as okay. part of their hiring practices. Yeah, right? as an individual, you if you pay for that. You'd have to ask for more in your salary. Yeah, I I, I was going to ask for forty thousand, and now I need to ask for forty thousand seven hundred and ninety five dollars. Make up for paying this. Yeah. yeah so, okay. so I'm not sure how valuable that is to the individual looking for a job, but it does mm-hmm. exist. You know. Yeah. Um, another thing is out there, which it, it is. It's the a, the AI has a compensation survey and calculator on their website. Okay. Right, and I think they do it every like two or three years. So the one I have in front of me is. I think they just came out with a new one. I don't have the new, the latest. I have the one from I think 2015. Okay, well, that's not so far away. It's not. It might not be spot on, but it paints yeah. the right kind of picture. Because the truth is, is of all the people that might be listening to this, I don't know how many are going to fit the exact examples that we're going to use. So it's yeah. all just kind of take it with a grain of salt. So the thing that makes it nice about the AIA compensation sal- salary calculator mm-hmm. is you can go online. And I'll put a, in the show notes, I'll put links to these things. So if people want to mm-hmm. find them or go look at them. So you can go on to this calculator and it runs you through a series of filters. So it'll ask you something like, um, like there's different 18 different, I think there were 18, 18 different job categories, right? Like, okay. like CEO or managing partner or director of design. Architectural intern number three. Architectural intern number three. Architect number one. You know, so yeah. they have all these different things. So the idea is that they've got it broken down into enough kind of horizontal silos that you can try to get it close to what you are, mm-hmm. right? Okay. So for the purposes of this example, I chose architect one because it's kind of you, yeah, but kind of not you at the same time. So you you meet a lot of their criteria, but you don't have the experience yet, okay. right? So, yeah. so put, to give you an idea, architect one is defined as... Um, Five or more years experience, a licensed architect who exercises independent judgment in evaluation, selection, and use of standard techniques, solves problems when encountered, and receives guidance on complex projects. You're like, okay. that nailed it. Yeah, it's me. <laughs> yeah, but you don't have the five years yet. Yeah. And the five years, five years, and it's not five years versus 2.8. You know, that's not really the thing that I would get hung up on. Yeah. But it's how the five years contributes to the part where it says the exercises independent judgment in evaluation of standard techniques. Okay. You just haven't been doing this long enough to have a big enough yeah, kind of bag, library. Of, bag of tricks. Yeah. Right. Okay. So that's kind of important. And the fact, mm-hmm. and I think most people will acknowledge that you got your license super fast. Bloop. Right, right out of the gate. Yeah. So technically you're, you're kind of maybe like an, an intern or associate. I don't, I, I didn't write that one down. In terms of the bag of tricks. Yeah. In the yeah. terms of the bag of tricks, the fact that your license kind of skews it. So when I said we're not really talking about you, some yeah. ways I thought it might be interesting to use you, but you're not you're not easily defined. <laughs> well, thank you. <laughs> I'll take that as a compliment. So okay, so architect one. Okay. The next thing that you choose after you choose like what kind of category you fit into mm-hmm. is you gotta choose a geographic region, which makes sense. Cost of living varies wildly over east to west, north to south. Yep. What you need as a living wage in New York City is gonna be different than what you need in Oklahoma City. Mm-hmm. right or pueblo colorado right it just varies so you can get it down to a a geographic region but it's not okay. that small of a geogra- i mean it's, it's four states yeah. yeah and texas i don't know if you know this it's a big place <laughs> 
It's pretty pretty large. It's a big last, state. Last time I looked at the map. Yes. I don't know if it's changed since then, though. No, I don't think it has. <laughs> There's no unincorporated land Uh-oh. that we absorbed. So, all right. Then the next category, the next silo information to kind of zero in on how to determine. Mm-hmm. General variables. Yeah, just own. variables. That's a good way to put it. Was the the size of the firm based on revenue. Okay. So that's, oh, that's, that's one of the way they look at it. Yeah. So it's the idea, and they broke that up into five categories: less than two hundred and fifty thousand dollars, mm-hmm. two hundred and fifty thousand to one million dollars in revenue, one million to five million, five million to fifteen million, and fifteen million and up. Okay. okay. Yep. What jumps out at me, and I go, "This is revenue." So I kind of go, "If you're in the two hundred and fifty k or less, I'm thinking you're not asking for a raise because you're one person." Is that one person? Yeah. See, those are things I'm not really privy to the. The number I can I can associate you know size of firm is size of firm correlated with you know to some extent I guess it's correlated with the you, revenue but you would think it is yeah. now if you get the full blown AI compensation survey document mm-hmm. it'll actually this one right here breaks it up <laughs> it, it does it breaks it down into like this is a search yeah. engine right okay. this just gives you like raw data oh I see all right, right? and I don't have all eight thousand pages mm-hmm. so since we're eleven employees. And we fall into the $1 million to $5 million revenue per year category. Now, we're on the lower end of that category, not on the higher. Where's my part of that $5 million? All right. But you go, <laughs> that's a, let's say that you're at a million. Yeah. The other, you're bracketed in there with people that are 500% your revenue. Mm-hmm. That's huge. Yeah. If we had 11 people and we were making $5 million, we would all be screaming for raises. Yes. And I'd be leading that charge. <laughs> Right, I brought up the I brought up the points, so I should get more of the pie. So that's another example of why all this is kind of fluid. Mm-hmm. Intangibles have to figure into this at some point. You can say that little description of what an architect one is. At some point, it might come down to well, can you actually communicate well with people? Yeah, like do you have yeah, the yeah. ability to lead a team? You those know, based things, on the position we're going to put you in. Yeah, those are the things that aren't so easily quantified. Uh, I was searching Glassdoor the other day. Is that another one that? I was uh, I was using that one to try to find some variables. They don't have revenue of firm, but they have the size of firm, right? Um, and they also have and they have the things like location and things like that, but also taglines. They actually have a category for you can say if you're an architect, like you have the title of architect, and you're only one to three years, and you can also do it as architectural intern or architectural designer, right? With you know one to three years. Well, the 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 AI survey does the same thing, mm-hmm. right? You just have to, if you don't know it, you got to look up and see, well, what am I based on how many years I've, like if you're unlicensed and you've been working Mm -hmm. for 12 years, I know that if you're, you have 12 years experience and you're unlicensed, that's still going to put you as below an architect one because you're not licensed. So I know some of these rules just off the top of my head because I kind of need to know some of this stuff. But the other thing that they have, and this is what's really interesting. If you plug in all those variables, the ones we just mentioned, so that Mm -hmm. makes you an architect one in the West South Central area, which is Texas. In the category of one to five million dollars in revenue, mm-hmm. it tells me that your not your Landon, but the salary for that person. Just plug in the name. Yeah, Pandin Pilliams. <laughs> That's right. For Randon Williams. Williams, your salary, your mean salary, sixty three thousand six hundred forty dollars, okay. and the median is sixty seven thousand nine hundred twenty, with additional cash compensation bonus mm. right yeah uh just under four thousand dollars okay now since there might be people i'm sure everyone knows what median and mean mm. mean 
But on the chance that somebody doesn't want to raise their hand, and I can't see you because you're sitting in the back, I'm just going to tell you what they are. Okay. So the the mean is essentially average. That's what we always think of. Add up all the numbers, take five numbers, add them up, divide by five. That gives you the average. That is mm-hmm. the mean. Yeah. So when it says that your salary is 63640 mean, that means all the people that filled out the compensation survey, they just added up all their numbers and divided by the respondents, mm-hmm. right? And they got a number. That's the mean, which is $63,500 basically. The median is they take the high number and the low number, they stack them up, and they pick the number in the middle. So it's kind of like the one that's, there's no averaging, right? This is not an average number. Yeah. That's good to show you, you know, if those numbers are like tight or they're more crazy outliers, like if the median and mean are a little bit, you know, a lot different. Yeah. Well, the one thing that the AI compensation survey doesn't really take into consideration is the market sector in which you work. Yeah. Which is huge. I mean, if I'm doing healthcare, I'm obviously making a lot more, or not a lot more, but it's not an insignificant amount more than I would if I were doing smaller residential. It also suggests like the size firm that you might work in. I don't know any mm-hmm. one or two man shops that do healthcare work. Yes. Right. <laughs> I mean, maybe they're out there. I'm yeah. sure there are, okay. right? There's the exception that defines every rule, mm-hmm. but smaller firms start, have certain kind of market sector silos that they tend to be in and the larger firms. And, and I don't think I, I'm stepping out of balance if I say larger firms tend to have higher salaries in it because they have higher mm-hmm. revenue. And it lines up with the, the things I found on Glassdoor too. Like every time I just change that one variable, a step up in the size of the firm is a step up of like was it five hundred or a thousand dollars. Yeah, sal- average salary. It does translate, mm-hmm. but I think that in my mind, and I don't have the data to support this, mm-hmm. so I almost shouldn't say it because it's not proper reporting. But just from my personal experience, from what I've seen from my friends and what I've experienced personally myself, mm-hmm. that larger firms and a lot of times they. They get a big job, they have a hiring wave. That job goes away, a bunch of people get laid off. Right. Yeah. It seems like their their staff numbers are, they fluctuate. I'll just put it that way. Okay. And whenever I worked in smaller firms, the only time somebody really got laid off, it was for cause. Or we had an opportunity to say, we need an upgrade at that position. Yeah. And we have someone who we think would fit that role better than the person we currently have in that position. Mm-hmm. So I know at the last place I worked at, even when the economy was terrible and like 40% of the industry was being laid off, we didn't lay anybody off. And that speaks a little bit to how well that firm was run. Yeah. I don't know a single big firm that didn't like slash a bunch of people. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Okay. So I think that figures into it. So we talked about Glassdoor a little bit. Mm -hmm. It's interesting that we brought up this topic because my friend Adam actually is setting up, he has this entire idea about you know, something very similar to Glassdoor, I think, but he's trying to, you know, involve things like they can leave comments on Glassdoor, but he's trying to make this app right now that you can sort of talk about your entire interview process. And he's got it. I mean, it's a small right now, but he's trying to put more data into this because you can go your friends, you know, your what say 10 to 12 friends, but he's trying to compile all these stories almost about interviews. Yeah. So I think he, he had trouble right getting right out of school, trying to figure out things, you know, scouring the internet's one thing, but actually getting... It's sort of like a mentor. It's how do you prepare for an interview and knowing wages and things like that. You just, read, just, a, you just read Life of an Architect.com. <laughs> there you go. And now, it's all there. Now we're taking it over. It's all there. But yeah. So I was I was talking to him last night. He was giving me some information, what he's learned basically from that. So here's something else I want to take a minute to talk about. And I think this is kind of important. So now that I've moved to the other side of the table, 
mm-hmm. which I don't even like that. I don't even like saying it that way because it sounds adversarial. I, just right out of the gate, it's putting yeah. me on one side and the other person opposite. There is a, I mean, there still is a line in the sand, but it's. It's a negotiation really from both both sides, both yes. parties. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I obviously want to pay you fairly, but I don't want to pay you more than, I don't want to be stupid about it. Oh, yeah. Because sometimes people that the, the, from, and I'll say Bob from 10 years ago, who was pay me more money, I wasn't thinking about, well, we need a new copier, right? Or we need to get, we need to pay for more stationary, mm-hmm. or we need to buy new software licenses, or we need to hire, buy new computers. Yeah. I was just like, show me the money. Yeah, I think, I mean, being in my position right now, I don't have, I can't assign those things of value. I don't know that. Because some of it, it's not like it's confidential. It's just that that side handles those things. And I, yeah. as an employee, don't, I'm not privy to that information. And therefore, I don't have, I mean, I know that there is money that's needed to pay for those things. But I don't know what, you know, what are the levels of that? It doesn't figure into your your thought process where your compensation is concerned is fairly centric to Landon. Yeah. How am I doing? Am I doing well? And is that the reason? Yeah, that I'm getting paid this, as. and and let's say that our fictional Landon that we're talking about today, Pandon, Brandon, Pandon, Candon, <laughs> that guy. Uh, let's say that he's coming to me and he wants a raise. Okay. Yep. I don't just don't. I can't just think about how much I want to pay him because I love him and he's a great guy and he does fantastic work. As I go, oh. I it's not you. Okay. It's, oh, okay. It's Sorry, Pr- it's Brandon. Oh, I just you know, I'm um, so happy for the guy. I have to go. I have a bu- I have a bucket of money. And yep. I got to pay everybody out of that bucket of money. And yes. I need to make sure that quarterly taxes are covered. And I need to make sure that, oh, yeah, we got to get that new copier. And we need to buy a new computer. And, oh, yeah, we got to pay for our licensing for Revit, which is $18 billion. Thank you very much, AutoCAD. Hey, they got Auto it down Death. to 17 the other day. It's ridiculous. So I, I'm not just thinking about the centric position of how much does that one person pay. It it's mm-hmm. They're on a chart with 100 other costs that are having to figure into that. And that's where the value comes in, right? I have to, I have to measure how much can I afford to pay you versus how much do I put everyone else at risk if we can't function as a proper office because we can't, we don't have the stuff to do our job. Yeah. Right. Yeah, yeah. So one of the things I thought might be useful as the, the guy sitting on my side of the table, mm-hmm. blob blorpson. <laughs> that sounds like an alien. Maybe I Welcome am. An, maybe I am. Person to I am. Planet TZXN. I'd be binary. Zero 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 one zero one one zero 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 one one. That's pretty good. Can you say? Can you say? I don't want game. to. Okay, so here we go. Let's pretend. I'm. I, I just wrote this down. This is not Landon's salary. He makes a lot less than this. <laughs> <laughs> so I just took a fifty-five thousand dollar a year salary. Okay. Okay. And so one of the things in our office, we primarily bill hourly. Right. Mm-hmm. And there's good and bad aspects to billing hourly. On one yeah. hand, it's very defensive. Right. So we never make a killing because I can only make as much money that's built into the profit margin of that hourly rate at whatever factor of efficiency you're able to pull off. Mm-hmm. As opposed to if I charge a fee and we get it done super fast, I got all this money that I didn't spend the time on that's mine. Yeah. But the, in that is a risk that you finish it on time and that you. Or we, or we don't quickly. finish it on time and we, we're losing exactly, money because yeah. we were inefficient, right? Mm-hmm. So so charging alley is a very defensive way to run a firm. Yep. And actually, a lot of people, a lot of clients, once you kind of walk them through the process, they go, that sounds pretty good because they come mm-hmm. out ahead. 
a lot of times. I mean, they don't have to yeah. pay for something. They get that, just as much as they need. That's right. Yeah. So it's a good it's a good billing method for us in the way that we work and the way our business is managed. Mm-hmm. When we go into trying to figure out how much somebody what their value is, we have to look at the the basically a multiplier that we look at. Let me walk you through the logic. Okay. Okay. Fifty five thousand dollar year salary. I divide that by number of of hours in a year. Two thousand and eighty hours. Okay. Right. Um, that works out to be about twenty six dollars and forty four cents. Per hour. Okay. For just for my salary. Yeah. For your $55,000 a year salary. Okay. And, but you know that that's not your billing rate. When you, when you do work, Mm -hmm. we don't charge your salary hourly rate against to the clients. There's what we, it's the firm multiplier. Okay. And generally speaking, these are going to vary wildly from firm to firm, you know, for all the variables that we've already put on the table, the size of the firm, the number of revenue you have, the office space, geographically where you're located, how much square footage of an office space do you have? Yeah, uh, but also you, things like you were saying, like printers and printers, copy paper. I mean, all the other, things it takes to run yeah. a business. And other things that, you know, you compensate your employees, not only healthcare and things like that, but, you know, are you paying AIA dues? Are you paying for their tests? Are you giving some time off, not time off, but assigning hours so they can go and do yeah volunteer volunteer like, activities. like we we donate almost two percent of your billable hours mm-hmm. and and technically it's a lot more than that but but those all factor into the the values that the management and therefore the firm have that's right and assigned to the person that's right because if i say hey lane and i'm giving you 40 hours a year to go do mm-hmm. volunteer work that i'm not counting on you to do billable i'm still paying for those 40 hours yeah. Right. I still have to count for those things. Mm-hmm. I have to count for rent. I have to count for computer hardware. I have to count for computer software, AIA dues, continuing education fees. Yeah. I mean, the list, I mean, I could probably start and just keep talking for the balance of this podcast <laughs> on all the things that the firm has to pay for yeah. that are beyond what's written down on your check when you get it at the end of the month. Mm-hmm. Okay. So those, those multipliers can vary wildly. As a rule of thumb, generally they range somewhere between about 2.4 and 4 as a multiplier, right? So what okay. that means is your $26.44 rate as an hourly charge mm-hmm. needs to be, and I just took the average. I took 3.4, some right in the middle. Yeah. So I multiplied $26.44 times 3.4 as my multiplier to pay for rent and utilities and, you know, water in the in the refrigerator, all that stuff. That gets me to $89.90 wow. per hour of what I need to charge. And how much are you charging? I mean, like my salary is what, 20 something and 26 an hour? Yeah. So of, of that, that of that $89.90, only $26.44 is your direct compensation. Yeah. So that's, see, yeah, that's crazy to me because I didn't, my nope. in my head, like before looking at it, like thinking about that, I always thought that my salary, say it was 75%. And there was just a 25% baggage was paying for Revit and rent and all that kind of thing. I didn't think it It's like the exact opposite. I didn't think it was that sort of that uh, ratio, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's wildly. And nobody nobody ever thinks of it like that either. Yeah. Right. And so it adds up really fast. And that's assuming that you're 100% billable. Okay. Right. So that's part of what figures into determining that 3.4 or is it 4.0 or is it 2.8 or whatever it is. Mm -hmm. Right. How you bill. What kind of overhead do you have? And it also pays for things like if you have a marketing department, they don't actually generate revenue, but they cost money to have, mm-hmm. right? So part of your hourly rate goes to pay their salaries. Yep. 
or in a firm like ours, you know, I have an expectation of the number of hours that I'm supposed to bill every single week. But part of my job description not only includes doing things like writing the blog or or speaking on panels or traveling to Germany to be participant in some of these events that I participate in, Mm -hmm. that I'm not there actively billing to a project, right? So that means you guys are carrying my freight to a certain extent. Uh I see. But we're dependent, assuming that you're using those unbillable hours effectively. That's right. And pulling in work, which is that's it's kind of the trade-off. That's right. Because I would say the most valuable guy in the office, the person that actually brings in the work. Without Mm -hmm. that person, you don't need anybody else. Yeah. So part of my time, part of Michael's time, it's to generate business. It's for business development. Mm-hmm. I have a char- I mean, I cost money. Yeah. And so and those the, aren't quantifiable. So that's part of what figures into that multiplier. Mm-hmm. So it's it's like in our case, it was three and a half times what your individually hour your individual hourly rate was. Yeah. yeah. Which I, for most people it blows their mind. But here's the thing. So at $89.90, you then turn that back into your 2,080 hours. That mm-hmm. means you personally, planned in Grilliams, <laughs> have to be responsible for $187,000 worth of build and collected revenue in a calendar year to justify a $55,000 a year salary. Hmm. And you're like, wow, wow that's almost... It's like four times. Yeah. Like what I get paid, I, I got to do four. I got to bring in four times that amount to cover. Well, in this case, 3.4 times. And no one, mm-hmm. and until you move to the other side of the table, you don't really think about that. Yep. And I will tell you that most firms, I shouldn't say that. I shouldn't put a value to it. I can tell you that our firm until a couple of years ago, I don't think they knew the multiplier. You know, they, it was never like added up the E&O insurance. The, mm-hmm. the benefits, the time off, the all the stuff that we, we spend that isn't paycheck never got added up and divided into a unit so that we could know, hey, am I paying this person? If I'm paying them this times that multiplier, am I charging the right hourly rate for that person? Oh, yeah. yeah you know? okay. It was all thought of big picture. Yeah, it was like, yeah, I have the money, so I'll spend it. I mean, that's, mm-hmm. I mean, I don't want to belittle the process, well, but it's a lot it's easier. simplified. Yeah, it's a lot easier when you have, you know, four people in the office to do that that kind of method but once yeah. you start obviously when you start now that we're at gearing 11 up, gearing up <laughs> well you know we just had that big meeting we're like hey sorry guys but we have to put some restrictors on things that we used to do yeah like for instance we used to close the office down between christmas and new year's everybody loves it. two weeks it was amazing everybody loves it i love there. it we can't afford to do it yeah because now all of a sudden you look at it and you go, wow, that direct cost to the firm is like $180,000. Well, it used to be that, I mean, you got sick, you didn't put it to, we didn't have, you know, PTO or a yeah. sick day. You didn't, you know, you weren't. Uh, we didn't have a sick policy. Yeah, there was if no you, policy. You place. were sick as many days as you needed to yeah. be sick. Yeah. And I was like, hey. That's a little crazy. <laughs> well, you know, it, it, it's like very 1890s kind of mentality. Yeah, but it, it worked when, like I was saying, like three or four people. Much much smaller firm, it works. But. Yeah, everything everything starts to get magnified as you get more people in it, mm-hmm. and we're only eleven. Yeah, right. And, and you know, and, and if I go to you know pull out my paperwork, all <laughs> here it is. Do you have it tabbed? I don't know. You don't have enough tabs. No, I have I have it, it organized. I have it loose. So many pages. There's oh my god, so much paperwork. But if I look at this, they have like office sizes of five to nine, ten to nineteen, fifty to ninety nine, and you know, and I kind of go. Your world becomes, it becomes real. 
you know, from a business standpoint, from a how do you run the office standpoint, mm-hmm. it changes a lot when you start adding more people. Oh, yeah. So here's what we've talked about so far. The difference between worth and value. Mm-hmm. We've talked about there's a number of places online where you can go and try to crowdsource, you know, what your salary, what your what your compensation might end up being. Yep. Um, but the takeaway I think that people need to think about, you know, how much does an architect make is we do okay. Like when I pull out the chart here and this is, this is just a, a geographic map that I have. Well, I thought it was interesting, you know, Texas, the Texas metro area has some of the highest compensation levels, starting mm-hmm. compensation levels for interns. So if mm-hmm. I like Seattle, this, the, the starting salary level in Seattle, $44,600, mm-hmm. Denver, $41,200, San Diego, $40,000. $800. And San Diego is super wow. expensive. Yeah. Austin, 45700 Dallas is 46400 Atlanta, 43200 Washington, D.C., 42000 Boston, 44000 New York City, 41.7. Oh, God. All right. Kansas City, 39.3. Right. Chicago's mm-hmm. 39.8. So you can get a pretty good idea and you can go get this information for free from the AI. They will provide it, right? Mm-hmm. It's a calculator. It's on the site. It's not that big a deal. The moving part to all of this, I would say for any young person, middle of the road, you know, someone who's probably below 40, the person above 40, they're probably not looking at this stuff anymore. Yeah. I think it's fair to say. Yeah, yeah. But for the younger people who really want to know, you can go get a pretty good idea of this kind of in the ballpark, right? Like mm-hmm. if you're going to throw a dart at what your salary needs to be, you can go get a dartboard that you'll, it'll put you in the right area. Yeah. It may not be a bullseye, but you're on the board. You have the quantifiable amount. Very easy to get that. Mm-hmm. Now it's the intangibles that, that the firm who's hiring you may not know if you have, and, yeah. and you going to that firm, you may not know if they offer. Like a lot of times people don't even know how to ask about benefits. Right. Like, so we say, what are your benefits? It's a generic question, Yeah, but it's, it's, it can be all encompassing. That can be how many, what's your sick day policy? What's your maternity leave policy? What's your volunteer policy? Do you pay for AI membership? Do you pay for convention? Do you pay for tours on mm-hmm. the convention? Do you, I mean, like I said, I could come up with 50 different things, all those figure into your compensation. Yeah. Which are the things that some people you know, those things, at least I wasn't thinking about whenever I was right out of school, those, they're still quantifiable, but not in my head in terms of salary. I'm not thinking about, you know, all the compensation that goes into it. So those are one of the things you really, it's really hard to get from those kind of websites is those almost unquantifiable yeah. immediately things. So those are kind of- You still have like, some ownership in the process. Yeah. Right. You got to do a little bit of work. And if, is that work that you're getting paid, like you were saying, the golden handcuffs, are you getting paid, you know- 10,000 more at this one job, but you're drawing bathroom partitions all day or doing things that you don't need, things that you need to do to develop yourself as an yeah. architect that you yeah. might be able to get somewhere with. A or as a pay. human being. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Growing, growing yourself, I guess. I used to say that if you're going to change jobs because you're unhappy and the motivator for you changing jobs is you don't get paid enough, I go, that's a bad reason that. Now I'm not talking about, I don't, I can't pay my rent. Mm-hmm. I need more money or I can't eat more money. What I'm talking about is change your life money. 
Yeah. You know, like, oh, now I can afford to put my kid in a proper school. Those are the kind of reasons if you're going to change a job because you need that kind of money, right? I get that. But if all you're thinking about is how much money you make. More, more, more. You're going to be, the- you're ultimately, like I said in the beginning, it's the idea that if I said, hey, Landon, if I paid you half a million dollars a year, would you go pump out uh, portalettes? That's your job now. Portalettes, mm-hmm. half a million dollars. That's a huge pay raise for you. Huge. Yep. You know, but guess what's going to happen in six months? You're going to be used to that paycheck. And I'm going to smell real bad. And your job is you pump portalettes. Yeah. Now that's a job. We need people to do that. I'm mm-hmm. not, I don't mean to belittle that, but I'm saying based on where you find your happiness, the things that motivate you, mm-hmm. you know, and I would, I would venture to say that most architects tie at least some portion of who they are into what they do. Yep. That would be wildly unsatisfying. Mm-hmm. The money's not going to get rid of that. Yeah. That's a value that you have as a person versus yeah. a value that's a salary. Yeah. You have to determine where that balance is. Mm-hmm. And there's a tipping point, both good and bad. I mean, you can take a job that pays you a ton, but makes you miserable. Yeah, but and, there's also a point where you're getting paid like way too low, but you could be really happy. And you love your job. And you, you love your job. And you have to decide, can I make this work? Yeah. All right. So I don't know if if people who came here looking for the magic bullet on what an architect makes. I, I will tell you this. In the post that I wrote a long time ago, and maybe I'll go back. I'll go back and do this research. So there's a website. Let me let me go to my notes. Blum, blum, blum. U.S. Department of Labor and Statistics. I will put this on the in the show notes. So and this is what I thought was really crazy. So according to the U.S. Department of Labor and Statistics, U.S. architects earn between forty seven thousand four hundred eighty dollars mm-hmm. and one hundred thirty four thousand six hundred and ten. Pretty broad range. <laughs> Right, but they have the same kind of, here's the median range, here's the mean, all that kind of stuff. Yeah, okay. Well, I compared it to lawyers, right? And what I learned is, statistically speaking, lawyers do not make that much more money as an average than architects do. Really? Yeah, because what everyone thinks of is, first off, and this was, I don't have the numbers for this. I heard it at an AI convention, I think it was when it was in Chicago mm-hmm. four years ago. Okay. There are more licensed or registered lawyers, attorneys in the city of Chicago than there are licensed architects in the United States. Wow. The numbers, there's so many more attorneys (laughs) and lawyers than there are architects that it boggles the mind. Okay. I mean, a huge difference. Yeah. And as such, the, the lawyers that we see that are just killing it, that represents not a very huge percentage of the whole. Hmm. Right. Think about all the lawyers that work for nonprofits, pro bonos, or they work in the district attorney's office. Mm-hmm. And think about every city and every country and every state of this great country of ours. Grand land. Is full of people that are working as in the DA's office. Mm-hmm. Okay. And they're government employees. Yeah. They're not making huge coin. Right. They're just not. Yeah. And so like. While their starting salary tends to be higher than ours, it's not like, no oh, mobility. if I go to law school, I'm going to make $400,000 upon graduation. Yeah. It's baloney, right? I love baloney. <laughs> That's all I can <laughs> afford to eat. <laughs> so, yeah, okay. So, so there's so there's some scale. I want to, I, I, every now and then I go, just, you got to temper people. Because have you ever met a lawyer who's actually happy when they're doing their job? <laughs> I love sending people to jail. <laughs> Nobody lo- <laughs> 
No, they have different motivations. And I know I yeah. just threw an entire cast of people no, under the bus. Let's just throw them all under there. I'm okay with that because they're not listening <laughs> to this podcast. But their motivations clearly are not necessarily the same driving motivators mm-hmm. for the people that choose architecture as a career. Yeah. Right? The things that make us happy are important to us. And one of the things that make us happy is being paid to do our job. Right. And I think when people become unhappy with what they get paid is when they feel they are undervalued or underappreciated. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. But, and that's another thing you have to think about also, you know, those, those intangibles that work in there. That's one variable that, you know, I think that's kind of our arguments that you don't necessarily think about. But there's also things like, does your management value you? I think that's a big one because that's kind of, yeah, it's something you can't really, um, it's hard to quantify that because, having someone who's and those things you they're kind of like like i was saying it's like but it's in the books and so as an employee you don't see those things in a quantified way but i think after a while you can kind of figure out if your management actually values you as a person right rather than um like a money generator yeah. like you're an actual person that i want to develop into a an architect or you know just yeah. a, generally a good yeah, you can person. look and see how how are they investing in you yeah. and your growth because they mm-hmm. foresee a position for you to everyone's mutual benefit down the road. Yeah, and that comes to a quantifiable amount that they put in their books. But yeah. as an employee, you don't see that. You wouldn't know that necessarily. I would don't know yeah. it. But you can kind of – I think after a while, it's just kind of seeing you have to – you kind of pick up on it in, right. cer- in certain ways, I think. Well, I hope because I can't tell everybody what everybody makes, can, you know. But I, I'm also not hurting. Yeah, you've been working since 1422. So. I've been paying my bills, <laughs> right? I get to take a vacation every yeah. year. You know, my standards of what I'm willing to, like I could go somewhere, I could go work somewhere else and maybe not get to design like I get to design, maybe not go to the job sites like I like to go to job sites. Mm-hmm. I'd probably be all in management. I'd be in front of the clients. I'd be the person talking all the time, yep. which I do enjoy, but it's only a part of what I enjoy. And I would have to give up all this other stuff that I enjoy for this other job that would probably give me more compensation. Yeah. I mean, I could probably double my salary without really killing myself. Mm-hmm. And they may not, but it would slowly be killing myself because yeah. I don't want to do the things that would allow me to earn that type of salary. Yeah. And they might not like, let you do the whole, you know, incorporating the blog and everything. Yeah. You know, that they might eke up all your time. Yeah. They're like, you don't have work. time for that foolishness anymore. Cause yeah. that's, that's small time stuff. Exactly. All right. It is, in my spare time. In my spare time. <laughs> That's because we don't have any. <laughs> we got so a somber sad. note there at the end. I know. So once again, we're not going to do the IMST segment. Because the only thing I've really been working on in my spare time yeah. is preparing for things like this podcast. Uh, I've been working on my mad dance skills. No, you haven't. And then, and then I'm traveling to Germany next week. But by the time this podcast comes out, I will actually, like, when this gets published, I mm. might actually be on a plane from London. Like, if you're Sunday. one of the first, if you listen to this when it comes out on Sunday, today, th- this today As is. You're listening. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to be in a plane coming back yeah. from Germany. So I'm doing a lot of research and reading mm. books and all that kind of stuff so I can at least look like I know what I'm talking about. You remember any of your German from your, yeah, your architectural I do. school days? I do. It's probably V Gates. Yeah. I don't know what that means, but I'll hit left. That's got to get, you're going to have to cut that out. (laughs) I was trying to remember, the only thing I really remember in German is good morning, but I've already forgotten that. Guten Morgen. Guten Morgen. Yeah. Yeah. And 
Guten Nacht. Guten Nacht. Guten Abend. And then the next one was Sprechense Inglés. Sprechense Deutsch. Yeah, Deutsch. That was the, it was good morning and then do you speak English was my nice. introduction. Yeah. Okay, so we're going to do our we're gonna hypotheticals. Do a, we're going to do a hypothetical. Okay. And so, of course, I have a hypothetical All right. and Landon has one. Yes. But I'm going to think I'm we're only we're only going to do one of them. Okay. Oh, cuz the show's the show's long. It is. The show's long. Going long. Yeah. So, do you want to start with mine or do you want to tell me yours first? And then if I I I rule it as not as good as mine. Okay. Sure, that's fine. <laughs> Let's do mine. Let's hear it. Okay, so mine's sort of a hypothetical, more like a would you rather. That's kind of the same thing, right? Same boat. Okay. Would you rather be forced to eat a can of slimy worms as your only meal for the rest of your life? No. I already know. Or no. would you rather be forced to move instead of walking, you have to ride Heelys everywhere you go? Heelys. <laughs> Those are the shoes with the wheels in them? Yeah. You yeah. have to... I'd rather slide. I'd rather slide than eat worms every day for the rest of know. my life. Think about the embarrassment of having a Healy around the mall going to get your jeans. <laughs> Healy my daughter down the aisle. Yeah. You'd have to <laughs> Healy your daughter down the aisle. That'd be my thing. That'd like, be so embarrassing. They're like, that dude is rad. No, I don't think that's what they would think. <laughs> <laughs> okay, yours is stupid. <laughs> you <don't like> <laughs> well, you like, kind of like choose between this terrible thing. <laughs> And this other well, terrible idea. thing. Exactly. No, you gotta. You can't make it obvious. No, you gotta. Okay, here's mine. Okay. We're not. We're not doing this. <laughs> <laughs> I thought about it all the drive over it's here. A, yeah, I don't want to eat worms. <laughs> it's just pretty easy. Okay. I, I don't feel like eating worms. Mm, I would love some worms. You wouldn't either. So here's mine. Yes. And I think you've now you don't know this. I haven't told it what I'm going to propose, but I think you've actually I've heard it once. You might have heard it before. And it is okay. You're on a deserted island. Okay. And on this deserted island, there's a magic box. Mm. And once a day, inside this magic box is your favorite food okay. at, at the perfect temperature. That's, that's my first next question was going to be. It's at the temperature. perfect temperature and it is perfectly prepared. Mm. Perfectly prepared. Once a day, it shows up. All right. So the question is, what food would you choose? And I should also clarify, your favorite food can't be buffet. <laughs> <laughs> Exclusion buffet. Yeah. Mm. So that's the question. So there aren't, and, and there I aren't have a, wontons in there? No. So here's the thing. It is a. It is like a, a thing. So like my wife, when I asked this question, her answer was cop salad. Because yes. she's like, it's got a bunch got of different things. ingredients in it. And so one day I can just eat the carrots. One day I can just eat the egg. One day I can just eat the chicken. Or to try to. You know, stave off the monotony of this is this is your food. She logicked out. Yeah, and this right is this answer. is this is what you're eating, right? It's not like you're like, oh, I'm hunting for wild boar, and on the days I don't feel like eating the game or stuff that I capture on the deserted island, I'll I'm going to uh, eat my the box food, my magic box, my box lunch. This is it. This is what you get. <laughs> There's no fish. Okay, so yes, magic box. What is what is that food? If I remember the last time I answered this, and I think the answer is still the same, it is. Did to check my reservoir of memory. I know. Actually, I, I do remember what you're. So, what all right, we have a plate. There's a plate. It has to be on a plate. There is a hot bed of steamed white rice. Okay. On top of this white rice is a blackened drum. So a that's full a piece fillet. of fish. That's a piece. That's a yeah, type of fish. Drum. Yeah. So skin on, just straight on the grill. So it's on the bed of rice, and then smothered on the black drum is crawfish etouffee, just 
daintily poured oh my, on there. I wish everyone could see your face smothered. right now. Oh my god, I'm already thinking about it. I'm, you want I'm slobbering. I'm literally. I need you want to eat that right now? And then next to it, well, oh, first of all, on top of that, there is uh, your parsley. Wa- you're walking. Parsley. A, you're walking a line. Get a little green there. You can't say I want to well, stay on the side. No, no, with no, crab no, on top. On the, on the side and a lettuce mm-hmm. on top of on that. On the side, we have hush puppy. So if anyone doesn't know what that is, fried cornbread, essentially, you know, um, a wedge of lemon. Okay. And that's, that is the meal. That is. Would that, would you also say that that is your, that's your, your prison row, your death meal? You know, like before. I might also. Before they electrocute you, that's what you're going to eat. If it had to be one meal, it would be that. But I'd also have a crawfish boil as a side to my prison meal. There's no, there's no. (laughs) I'll have Uh, this meal with the side of this other meal. Yeah. Yeah, that would. Uh, that's it. That's it. It is the most amazing thing ever. Yeah. Anyway, well, okay. You're so excited. what? What would yours be, Bob? I go back and forth on this a lot. Yeah, I think I remember. Well, I'm not gonna give it away. I think I remember yours. Do you remember? Okay, so first off, I've been asking this question for 38 years. <laughs> You're compiling data. I was in seventh grade when I first, because I was, I was actually in a mall. Okay. It wasn't a very nice one, but they had these giant like egg rolls. Yes. And they were okay. dollar each. Well, all right. Because remember, this is fourteen ninety. Were they giant? Be- <laughs> were they giant because you were small, or were they just giant? Probably a bit of both. Okay. Be, let's be honest. But they were like fried. They weren't like spring rolls. Mm-hmm. And um, and I remember thinking, God, I could eat these every day. I loved them. <laughs> hot mustard, a little bit of like eighty percent hot mustard, twenty percent sweet and sour sauce. Okay. Pork egg roll. I loved it. Hundred percent delicious. And I was like, I could eat this every single day. And somebody's like, no, you couldn't. I was like, watch me. Challenge accepted. (laughs) So he put himself on an island. Yeah. So, yeah. So I moved to an island (laughs) and I I put a magic box in. I mean, I love it. I love it. To this day. To this day. Still a connoisseur of egg roll. Yeah. Wow. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I like the egg roll. Every now and then I'll switch it to something else. But here's the the point, right? If you could, if you extrapolate this down. Mm Mm-hmm. There's no chance of rescue. This is it. You're, this is all you're going to eat. Every everything you eat for the rest of your life is that meal. I'm loving it until you die. Right. <laughs> Slow pain. And death. and the the and Paul shout out to Paul in the office. He got this really quick. He's like, so in the box, the magic box, yes. with your your one and only meal that you will eat mm-hmm. for the rest of your life. Is there also a gun in there? Because <laughs> I like tr- a pie baked. With the gun inside of it? Yeah, you're on a desert <laughs> island. That's not going to do anything. The gunpowder, I, I don't need mind a, it. a nail file baked into my pie yeah. so I can escape my desert island. What's he going to do with the gun? Oh, I guess you can shoot the boar. You shoot yourself. Oh. <laughs> wow. There's no boar. real dark. There's nothing. Yeah, it's, yeah, I think that no matter what it is, you will hate it. You will despise it. If that's the only thing you get to eat for mm-hmm. the rest of your life, you will hate it. Yeah, okay. So is it still egg roll? Is that your is that your box answer? As still? of this recording, I'm gonna say it's egg roll. Okay, I'm gonna say egg rolls, pork egg rolls. Okay, yeah, nice. You know, for a while there, my wife was trying to. My wife likes to make things hard sometimes, so <laughs> I had to force her to do the Cobb salad. For a while there, she's like, "Can it be like a meal? Like this is like this is a serving? Like for instance, okay. like if you said spaghetti and meatballs, does that come with the garlic bread? Because that's like always served. Yeah, that's right? correct. Kind of like and I was like, know. no. It also doesn't come with the salad. You know, it's like, here's a plate of this thing. Okay. That's it. Right. And she's like, what about roast beef and mashed potatoes? And I was like, no, it's roast beef. You don't get the mashed potatoes. Right. They're served together, but 
They're different okay. things. So I might have to take hush puppies off of mine. I was, you know, that's technicality. I was like, yeah, I'm not really, I'm not really mm. buying the hush puppies. They're small enough. And I'll though. give you, I'll give you the crawfish etouffee on top because that's how that is prepared. Yeah, you have to have some of that rice. It's like saying, I want the roast beef, but I'm not going to give you the horseradish sauce, right? No, you get that. Yeah. Right. If you okay. want French fries, you get the ketchup. Yes. Or All if right. you're from a different part of the world, you get the mayonnaise. I'm just thinking about every time I eat egg rolls, I have like two or three of them. And I'm like, I'm done. Like, I don't need to eat any more egg rolls for the rest of my life. Really? Yeah. Like, I eat two, and I'm like, oh, God, these things are so heavy. I'm done. That doesn't even make any sense. Considering <laughs> the other food that you like to eat? Egg rolls. They're just a fried. I don't know what's in them, but they're so heavy. It's like mostly vegetables. Okay. But they're smothered in soy sauce. There's no soy sauce at all. I dunk mine. Well, maybe that's the problem. <laughs> I eat in a soup. It's you a put soup in of a, soy sauce. a salt bomb. Oh, God. Uh, soy sauce. Yeah. No, it's just, it's hot mustard. You like hot food. Yes. And just hot a mustard. little bit of sweet and sour. Okay. All right. That, to me, is my magic box. But even then, I, I will admit that I will kill myself after a while. <laughs> <laughs> right? Start making little egg roll statues. Yeah. Like, you just save them up and then do, you know, like, build, like, little, like, Lego blocks. Build a little, little village of weird. egg rolls. It's so weird. <laughs> it's so weird. Okay. That's a wrap. Right. Thank you for being with us for episode 11, An Architect's Salary. This was a hard episode, I think, for me to prepare for. And I hope that there's some information that came out of this that kind of paints the picture of at least how you should go about if you want to make more money. How do you actually do that? How do you determine what your value is so that you're armed or prepared with the information to make that actually happen? Yeah. I would also really like if you could take 30 seconds out of your day and head over to iTunes and leave us a five Battlestar Galactica rating if you haven't already. It actually makes a difference and helps us determine my self-worth. And mine too. Be sure to visit the original lifeofanarchitect.com for show notes, links, photos from this episode. I'll also put like specifically the links to all these different kind of mm-hmm. estimating calculators so everyone can have that in the future. And uh, thank you so much for tuning in. Toodaloo, Buckaroo. Did you hear that? What was that? <laughs> that was guttural. <clears throat> make sure I get anything out of it. Yeah, you make sure. Was, that. that was like, I, I couldn't control I'm that. I'm going to boost that audio way up. And isolate Isolation. it. All right, here we go. How that money is represented, not only with how you spend it, how you use it. <laughs> they got the zoomies. The cats just like they've went been, screaming by. <laughs> they would have been locked up. They're like, all right, now it's time to run. They're going to, let's get this out. It looks like it's really just the one running around and the other one's just kind of following. Like, what's well, going cause on? Because one is lithe and her, fit and can mentality. move. And the other one's fat and can't. <laughs> I noticed it's taking all the shorter corners. <laughs> it's yeah. going the shorter route. Yes. All right. They're dumb. So we're sitting in the front room of my house. It's raining outside. Oh my god! <laughs> they did that it again. A fat one this time. Yeah, that's why it's thundering. Okay, one more time. No, that was Mocha. That's the skinny one. Maybe they're both running around. I know they both yeah. are. Okay. Take three. Bam. <laughs> There's a beer. That's German for beer. Beer. <laughs> beer is German for beer. I usually just, you know. You sounded like you said in Australian. Beer. Beer. You know the uh, beer can? 
yeah. say a bacon in a Jamaican accent and beer can in an Australian beer can. Bacon. This is all getting cut out. <laughs> <laughs> if you were a cat, you wouldn't even care about salary. You just take your fancy feast and have a lovely life. You're not. You're feeding your cat Purina. Purina. Yes. P- Purina. Well, blue ribbon. Something. Whoa. I'm gonna hit stop. <laughs> I didn't hit stop yet. 